All right, part three of a four-part series, me and Leaf Tulin. We are breaking down the top prospects by region. And this episode is the West region. And the West has a lot of good prospects. I think this was the one that was maybe the most difficult for me. So find out where me and Leaf agree and disagree on our top 10 prospects in the West. Stay tuned. Right, big shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. And this episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is where first time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code Locked On. That is prizepicks.com, promo code Locked On. All right, we're breaking this into four quarters. We are at the beginning of the third quarter. This is the third part in a four-part series where we, again, like I said, we're breaking down the top prospects, at least our top 10 prospects by region. And right now it is the West. Leaf, are you feeling exhausted? I know I had to take a 15-minute nap. I mean, this is going to be two hours of recording. So how do you feel right now coming out of halftime? Uh, in terms of basketball talk, I I, I got it. I, I feel good. Uh, in terms of sleep deprivation, it's it's getting the better of me. So I I'm excited to talk ball any time and all the time. So I I feel good. But once we finish the the fourth quarter and hopefully I'll end victoriously, I will be hitting the hay happily. Well, I still have to edit. So I ha- and I have to write an article. So my night is nowhere near over. But let's get right into it. All right, it is the Western, the the bracket out West, and I feel like this bracket is loaded with, I have at least four guys that I believe are locked to be first-round picks. All right, let's start with number one. Who is the number one prospect for you coming out of the West? Yeah, I think number one and two come from the same team for me. Uh, I've got a slight edge to Nick Smith over Anthony Black. Nick Smith has been injured for much of the year, but I see an upside for him that that is hard to um hard to pass up because he's someone who can really score the ball in in three levels and and I I'd, I'll maybe I'll go two and a half levels if he can add the third level of all the way at the rim finishing and because you know he can shoot and you know he's got the intermediate game uh he can really be a problem especially as a combo guard who can I think he can transition to being a point guard more easily than a guy like Keontae George um and he's often likened as a as a sh- as a shooting guard, but he plays the two guard because Anthony Black's the point guard and he's a true point guard. So I, I think he's got high potential right now on my board. I believe I have him at number nine. Let me check what I, my latest is. Yep, number nine. Yeah, my latest board, I have him at number six as far as my my big board. And we'll, we'll get to that another day. Even though he hasn't been like crazy efficient, he did have a streak where I want to say he had like three games over like 25 points or 24 points in his last stint. I mean, he's been in and out of of the lineup. I like the fact that he has been able to put up these 24, 25, 26 point games despite being a little rusty. It's hard to be in and out of the lineup and then come in and score when you know your your teammates have been playing all season. They've been practicing and playing. So I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt in that situation, even though, like I said, the efficiency numbers aren't there. I think that he just has a little bounce to a step that I really like. I like the fact that 
He can make floaters, even though the free throw percentage is a little low. Are you surprised that he's shooting like 74% from the foul line, considering that he's known for having great touch? Does that concern you a little bit? For some, it would. For him, I'm not terribly concerned. I think he can be an 80, 83% free throw shooter for much of his NBA career. I think, honestly, sometimes fatigue is the biggest issue for someone coming back from injury and, and shooting free throws is the time where you're kind of like, okay, I'm going to take a breath. I'm going to take a pause and, and you just don't shoot it as well. Um, so I'm not concerned by that. Typically I think I would be, but I've, I've seen him shoot floaters. I've seen him shoot threes and he just has a, has an arc and, and spin on the ball that I, I really think is reproducible and pretty. Yeah. The floater is his bread and butter. So I have Nick Smith number one and we both agree on number two at Anthony Black. What are your thoughts on Anthony Black? What do you have him on your your big board, even though it's probably not complete yet? But what range do you have him in? I've got him number 10 right now. I think he's anywhere from nine, eight to 12 uh, on my board is where I think he'll final uh, end up. Uh, there's games I watch and I say, oh my goodness, can you imagine him with NBA spacing because Arkansas can't shoot a lick? Um, they, they, and this is especially when Nick Smith wasn't there, but it still remains true. Like their best shooter for much of this season has been Devo Davis, who is not, I wouldn't say is a great shooter. Um, that said, I I think Anthony black is a guy that could come in and play NBA minutes right now on the, on both ends of the floor, offensively and defense. He puts pressure on the rim offensively and is a, um, a pass first player, someone that doesn't dominate with his length going to the rim. He's not a, a full freight train to the rim, but he puts pressure on the rim by getting to the nail and making good decisions out of it, whether those are re, uh, rewarded with assists. That's not often been the case this year, especially from the perimeter by Arkansas. He can play in the uh, in the half court as well as in transition. And I was surprised by his athleticism and how real it's been at the college level coming from high school. I was a little skeptical, and I think he proved me wrong. I think his shots come back down to earth from a hot start. But I think what I saw at the beginning of the year is that he can make it. It's about confidence. And, and I think he can develop that more easily than the touch and size and feel he plays with on both ends of the ball. He has a weird athleticism to me. Like, he's athletic. He can make plays above the rim. But he's not bursty or quick twitch. It's I don't even know the best way to explain it. Like, he's athletic but it doesn't his game doesn't depend on on being athletic but then when i watched him in high school you'd say like you watch his film you're like wow he's getting two or three dunks per game which they were like dunks in transition or whatever but once he gets a full head of steam and i I know there's a play you and i'm sure you can remember what i'm talking about it was in like their was it their friendly that they had against Texas? Like early in the year, he had like this crazy like tip dunk or something like that. So it's like he is athletic. I don't know if explosive is the word to use when you talk about his athleticism, but it's functional. It's functional. Yeah, but when when he has a runway, he he can make some pretty highlight highlight real dunks. All right. One and two, we agree on who is number three, your number three prospect in the West. And we'll probably agree on this one, too. Uh, He'll come from the one-seeded Kansas Jayhawks. Grady Dick will be the number three. And and I've gotten some flack from people on Twitter for for being a little lower on Grady than most right now. And and this is nowhere near set. I've got him at 17 or 18, and that's lower than most. But my rationale for him, I'll give the positive and the negative. 
positive is he's one of the best shooters in the draft. He's also tall, and he appears to have a, a good work ethic, and he plays on a winning team and plays winning basketball. The negatives for me is I think he's a standstill shooter, and he's a bad defender. So I, I say that because people inevitably are going to say, oh, why do you have him 17 or 18 on your board uh, when, when a lot of people have him in the top 10, even some and almost all, all the people have him in the lottery. But that said, I'm not I'm not trying to be hypercritical. He's still a third best prospect and probably the most prospect rich uh, region, and he's on a really good team. I just think that there are flaws that you have to address when you would uh, evaluate a prospect holistically. All right, in your opinion, why do you think he is a bad defender? Because he's not a bad athlete. He's not a bad athlete by any means, and I think there are some people that try to classify him as not athletic, and I just think it's lazy. And I'll be honest, sometimes when you see a white guy that can shoot you automatically assume that he's not a good defender. Just like you automatically assume sometimes when the guy is really athletic, Maxwell Lewis, you think he is a good defender. So in your opinion, why are you down on Grady Dick as a defender? I, I think it's because he's a bit too upright in his stance for me. And I think that's something that could be changed, but he's he's not a great closeout defender. And I don't want him being like a point of attack guy guarding the point guard either. So I think in the role he'll play in the NBA that I foresee is him chasing around other wings that shoot the ball well, getting switched on to players um, at the end of games. If he's in the starting lineup, I think he'll be a guy that's hunted. And that's just, and that's not even to say he's a horrible defender. I just think that he's right now the worst defender in the starting lineup for the Kansas Jayhawks. So I think if he goes to the NBA, he's the worst defender in a starting lineup if he starts for most NBA teams. And I, I think it takes a very good defender in college for me to give them a good defender label entering the NBA. So I don't think it's because he's unathletic. He's a good run and jump athlete, but I don't think he's a twitchy and lateral athlete uh, or laterally impressive athlete, I should say. Gotcha. That makes sense. And as far as being upright, I have a friend and uh, we always tease him because he, I mean, he plays overseas, but he's kind of like Grady Dick in a sense where he has like great posture and with his great posture, he struggles to get by defenders because, you know, when you're the ball handler, the low man wins. And because he's always straight up, the, the defenders can meet can meet him step by step. And that was one of the reasons why I wasn't as high on Jabari Smith. Also, I felt like he was just too upright to be able to attack off the dribble. All right, number four, who is the fourth prospect on your list of prospects coming out and of the this, list. And this is where it becomes interesting. The, this is where everyone's going to have their their strong opinions. For me, it's the, the best player on the Kansas Jayhawks in college, and that is Jalen Wilson. I've got him in, uh, in my mid-first round. He, I think he's at 23, 24 on my board, um, which is not finalized right now. He's at 24. And Jalen Wilson's best trait to me is rebounding, which is something that's become an undervalued uh, positive assessment in a, in evaluation in general. And he can score the ball. He's scoring 20 points a game, so he can score at a college level. He's shooting 34% from three, which is serviceable. He's a very good defender, can guard, guard multiple positions. And I think he, in the NBA, will be able to rebound, shoot okay, defend, and, and be able to thrive in transition, where I think he's a good run-and-jump athlete with good athletic functionality, which is something I've really learned to focus on how does their athleticism translate to actual game environment rather than like an NFL combine where speed and physicality is so important in the, in basketball, it doesn't mean as much to me unless you can apply it. So uh, he's, he's my number four. And I think I'm higher than the consensus on Jalen Wilson. 
All right. When we return, I'll share my thoughts on, on Jalen Wilson. I actually have him at number seven on my list, but let's talk about prize picks. And prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. So you're probably wondering, how does it work? All you do is pick two to six players, and if they would go score more or less than their prize picks projection, and you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. There's no competing against other people. It is just you versus the projections available. And Prize Picks offers projections on any sport you may watch: NBA, NFL, Major League Baseball, men's college basketball, women's college basketball, WNBA, European basketball, cricket, golf. I mean, the list goes on, and the entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It is that easy, safe, and fast withdrawals. And it is currently operational in over 30 states and Canada. So download the Prize Pick app. Or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. If you are a first-time user, you can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, prize picks will give you $100. If you deposit $50, prize picks will give you $50. So do not forget to enter the promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. All right, second segment, we left off. At number four, where Leaf has Jalen Wilson, I actually have him number seven. And the reason I have him number seven is because I can't pencil a role for him in the NBA. Is he just going to be a rebounder? To me, he's like this jack-of-all-trades, master of none, which could either really help him out or it could really hurt him. I'm still kind of torn about it. I can't deny their production. I can't deny what he's been able to do for Kansas this year. He went from, I mean, I guess you can say he was a role player last year to basically their their guy. He's been the dude there. The numbers are great. I know he can rebound. He can pass. He's a respectable shooter. And he's had some monster games. But I'm wondering, like, what is his role in the NBA? What is the skill set that he hangs his hat on? And you believe it's the rebounding. But for me, my number four is Jordan Hawkins because I feel like he has that specific role that he could hang his hat on. And I don't know why he looks smaller to me, but I've had people tell me he's a legit 6'5". They say they've stood next to him. For whatever reasons, I just think that he's going to measure out at 6'3 and three quarters at the Combine. But he is a sniper, really good shooter. He can shoot off action plays. He's a pretty good athlete. May not be able to, you know, do a whole lot off the dribble. Even though he shows flashes here and there, I'd like him to see a little bit better off the dribble. But I have Jordan Hawkins at number four. So where do you have Hawkins on your list? Uh, Number five. So we're not too far apart there. Uh, Hawkins is... Well, funny story. I watched you, you mentioned Jabari Smith. I watched Jabari Smith's Auburn team uh, and uh, play UConn, and UConn was led by RJ Cole, Tyrese Martin, Adama Sanogo, and then of course Auburn had Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler. And the guy that stuck out to me the very most was Jordan Hawkins. He played about t- 14 minutes uh, in regulation, and he played a little bit in overtime. Had a crucial mistake where he turned the ball over when they could have iced the game but he had 13 points and shot the lights out. So I've had my eye on him all of last year because that was a non-conference play and all of this year. He's the best shooter with movement in this draft. And I think that's a very valuable thing because if he got the same looks that Grady Dick does, I think he shoots a very similar percentage. He's also on a very good team and he's a shooter off movement. He's got a little more to his game. 
I wish he had more facilitation to him. I think he's strictly a two guard of the ilk of former UConn Huskies, maybe like Ben Gordon, who had a little more wiggle and uh, ball handling to his game. Obviously, Rip Hamilton comes to mind as well, but Rip was bigger and had more more in his package as well. But I think he's a guy that can be a second unit spark plug type player who can really light up uh, from the perimeter. And I, I think defensively, he puts forth effort. And I'm not sure he's a good defender, but I think the effort and, and length and athleticism translates. He's not a super strong guy, so I hope he puts on a little more weight and continues to be able to shoot with the weight um, and run off those curls. But he's number five for me pretty comfortably. Gotcha. All right. Who's number six for you? Uh, I think – do you have five? Because uh, oh. I think I'm one ahead of you. My five was a guy that I just have come along to appreciate I didn't appreciate him, I mean, as early as two weeks ago, a Dimbona. And I've mentioned it that I was living in Turkey. I've been familiar with him and have watched him for what I guess is the past four years. Haven't seen much skill development. I think he's a little heavy right now, but I think he has a specific role in the NBA as your energy guy that rebounds, block shots, has – the athleticism to make some momentum changing plays here and there it can be a vertical lap threat still has a ways to go, but I, and I wish he were a little bit taller. I was, sounds like I'm great to say the lyrics to the song, but I wish he were six eleven, maybe even six ten. I He's also someone that I think is going to measure out a little bit shorter than what he's listed, but I have him as my number five. What, a, what are your thoughts on, on Bona? Uh, I, I think he's the guy. <laughs> yeah, I, I think he's the best prospect on UCLA. So he he is my next guy as well. He's someone that I think he makes a vital impact on the game, and you have to watch a lot of him to really gain the appreciation for what he does. So, for instance, UCLA played Arizona on on the Pac-12 championship Saturday night, and you just saw these little things that they had un- encumbered drives to the rim, and they didn't have to face someone that put the fear of a shot blocker, someone that can rebound and has good coordination. Even though he's raw, I think he's got good coordination and understanding of the game at a young age um, from playing in Turkey. Uh, I think he's, he's a player that I raw don't... For four years now to me. But yeah, what he does, I, I think it's better suited for the NBA. Yeah, I, I think the traits that he's very good at are desired ones in the NBA, whereas in college there, there has to be a certain type of team that knows how to utilize you best. And UCLA, I'm not even sure, uses utilizes his best traits as well as some, but they're also veteran-laden and find a way to win, and he's a big part of that. So, yeah, he's my next guy as well. I'm I'm struggling to find find a way that I, I see him as a starting center um, on an NBA team, and he's a center, not a four. But I think he's a guy with upside and an energy big that I, I foresee having a, an NBA career at least, and that's something that six, eight bigs right now are not super fashionable that are not three-point shooters. Yep. All right. Who is number six on your list? So Bono is six for me. Okay. Uh, seven. It's probably his teammate Amari Bailey. Oh, and I'm uh, Amari Bailey guy, but he, he I've turned the corner a little bit. Yeah, I, I'm in the same boat. We 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 discussed this last week where we I was ranking my Pac-12 prospects both before and after the season. Amari Bailey is someone that I'm not super high on. And honestly, I can make myself an argument for Coleman Hawkins. 
uh, in this spot as well, the uh, the Illinois big. But I'll, I'll explain why I am going with Bailey. Bailey is someone that can get to the paint. I think he's better served as a a guy that comes back for a sophomore year and develops into a more complete player, but he can get to the paint. He's improving from three. He's also shown more buy-in to team winning basketball and a top uh, top team in the NCAA. And I think he's got the athletic traits that allow for development in other parts of his games that are harder, that are easier to develop than athleticism, which he's gotten a surplus for a two guard. Okay. My number six was Julian Strother. He has shot the ball well. The little bit of concern or knock I had on him coming into the season was he was a good shooter, but I wanted to see him get to the 40% mark because he does have a low release. But I wanted to see him become like a very, very consistent shooter. And the last time I looked, he was at 43% from three. Doesn't offer much as far as like passing, um, solid rebounder. Not much of a shot creator, but I do think that there is a role for him and he has a skill set that he can hang his hat on. So that's why I have him at number six, which is like with Amari Bailey. I don't know if there is, and this is just my opinion, I don't know if there's a specific skill set that can that he can hang his hat on. I mean, we, we know he can score, but you know, in the NBA, it's not about can you score, it's about how you can score and and finding a role. And I think Amari Bailey is like the rare guard that was born in the wrong era. We usually talk about bigs born in the wrong era, but I think Amari Bailey is a guy that is would have been really good in the 90s when they played like a lot of isolation and guys relied on heavily contested shots and not a whole lot of three-point shooting. So um, he didn't even make my top 10. <laughs> so... Um, that's interesting. At number seven, I had Jalen Wilson. We talked about him. So who is next on your list? For me, I'm going to go with Coleman Hawkins uh, of Illinois. He's someone that I don't tease. think the team he – What's He's sorry? a tease. Yeah. He is a tease to me. He He's someone that on the team he plays for, I don't love the fit. They play two bigs. I wish they'd play one. I think if they didn't play Dane Danger, he played the five. Matthew Meyer plays the four. And you have some combination of Ty Rogers, RJ Melendez, Luke Goody playing the three and the two, and Terrence Shannon and Jaden Epps. You know, some some combination, amalgamation of that. Uh, I think they'd be better off playing fast. And he passes defensively. I like what he does. Shooting the ball, he's got touch. I think he's an NBA-style big that plays on an old-school Big Ten team. And I think people fall victim to seeing him get pushed around by bigs and say, what if he guarded Embiid? What if he guarded Jokic? He's not going to guard those guys very often. So I think he's a guy who can stretch the floor, rebound the ball, pass the ball, and he'd have to find a right team to do it. But I think there's a fit in the NBA that that really enhances his skill set. See, my thing with him is that the shot looks pretty. You think that he's a shooter. He's in my my category of shooters that can't shoot. He's shooting what twenty nine percent from three. I think some of that shot selection, but but yeah, he's not shooting well from three. He, and was, a, was he shooting from the foul line? Twenty eight percent from three, sixty percent from the free throw line. That is what bothers me because I think everything that he does is very much needed in the NBA. There is a role, but I think. 
if he's shooting the ball, then it gives him an opportunity to be on the floor where he can do the other things that he does well. It's He's not at Keontae George level where, like, I feel like every time Keontae shoots, it looks like it should go in. I think Keontae is a – I'm just surprised that he is not as efficient as – I guess his shot looks like he should be more efficient at the score. That's how I felt about Jaden Hardy last year. Every shot he shot, I thought, oh, man, that's got business going in the hoop, but it just matters if it goes in or not. Yep. But for Hawkins, I feel like the shot is pretty everything. Like, you know, like after last year, when I when I studied his film for this year's draft, I was like, okay, you know, the, the numbers weren't great, but I know he's going to shoot 36 37% from the floor this year. And I think that if he shot 37% from three this year, we we'll be talking about a guy that would be a lot to be a first-round pick. But the free throw percentage is scaring me that maybe the shooting numbers are legit. Like this is who he is. So I'm I'm I don't know. I mean, I, I'd hire a shot doctor. And I think if you hire a shot doctor or you get him on the thunder with Chip England and you fix his shot, then you get a really, really serviceable player. But I have him at number – he didn't even make my top 10. He just missed my top 10. I like all those arguments you're making. I, I just buy the chance that he hits it because I like the skill sets that are prevalent in the NBA. All right, before we get into the last segment, if you want to eat healthy, then I have a treat for you. If you're looking to eat healthy but you don't want to compromise the taste, then you have to try a Built Bar because with Built Bar, healthy is actually tasty. And if you're wondering what makes them so good – it's that they are covered with 100% chocolate. Yes, that is right. They're healthy and covered with 100% real chocolate. They come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, coconut almond. Not sure how they do it, but they found out a way to make it tasty and healthy. Only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. What makes it great now is that you don't have to just go to Built.com to get a box. You can go to Walmart. If you go to Walmart, they're in the pharmacy section. You can grab a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. Or if you want more, there's a 13-bar box at Sam's Club. Brownie batter churro, you can thank me later. But if you still want to just order them, go to Built.com. All right, last segment, we have a few more prospects to dis- to discuss so I had Nick Smith one, Anthony Black two, Grady Dick three, Jordan Hawkins four, then Bona five, Julian Strother six, Jalen Wilson seven, and at number eight, I have Mike Miles. And can you run down your list real fast? So yeah, I had Nick Smith one, Anthony Black two, Grady Dick three. Number four for me was Jalen Wilson. Number five, Jordan Hawkins. Number six was Adembona, seven, Amari Bailey, and number eight, Coleman Hawkins. Okay. So Mike Miles, my argument for Mike Miles at number eight is I think he is going to be a steady backup point guard in the NBA. Maybe an occasional starter here and there, but I think his best role is this Monty Morris-type backup point guard that plays 20 minutes per game I think he's going to look a lot better in the NBA with a reduced offensive load he's strong he's gotten better three-point shot is a little interesting because I want to say his best year percentage-wise was his freshman year 
Mm-hmm. And it's declined a little bit this year, but I do think Mike Miles is going to be a serviceable backup point guard. So I have him at number eight. Yeah, I, I think Mike Miles and Damian Barr are impressive guards at the college level, and they just each of them just missed my list. My number nine was Julian Strother. You discussed him briefly. My issue with him, and I, I think this is this is the closest delineation. I, I'll just put them both here. Strother and, and Walsh for me are nine and ten. Walsh is the better defender, but I don't think he's as athletic as his high school tape made him look. Like he looked like a guy who could guard one through four in the NBA coming out of high school and be really, really athletic, defend, poke balls away, shoot open threes, and finish at the rim. I don't think he's as fast as I thought he was. So that's my issue. And he was never a great shooter, but he was serviceable. As for Julian Strother, I the, the release really bugs me because one of his main attributes is shooting. And so I, if his release is low and he's not a superb athlete, that concerns me. Uh, like Walsh, you never thought was a great shooter. He shoots 28%. That doesn't bother me enormously because he shoots 73% from the free throw line. As for Strother, Strother is a better shooter. He shoots 78% from the line and 43% from three. However, he's playing significantly worse competition. And he is shooting low releases against that competition. Uh, he's a good rebounder. Okay, defender. So if I were to really mince hairs, it depends the team. I'll, I'll take Strother ahead of him just because I think the shooting is better by enough that I'll, I'll take that over the deficiencies athletically compared to Walsh. Uh, but those are my nine and ten, and they're both three and D guys that I would take a second round pick on, but they're not as highly regarded as I thought they might be coming into this year. See, here's what's scary, right? And going back to Coleman Hawkins. Hawkins is what a junior, correct? Mm-hmm. And his percentages from three-point and free throw are eerily similar to Jordan Hawkins, who was a guy that we, I mean, Jordan Walsh, a guy that we all knew couldn't shoot. Does that still scare you at all? I agree that his shot should be better. I think sometimes he shoots bad ones, which contributes to the low percentage. And I think if he were to shoot more open ones and and be benefited by pass-first guards, whereas I don't think Terrence Shannon Jr. is – and I don't think Jaden Epps is, that he'd have a better percentage. But I will grant you that point, that his shot is an absolute swing skill. All right, so my number nine is Kevin McCullough Jr. from Kansas. I think that he is a player that can come in and be a spark off the bench and contribute to winning on one of these contenders, whether it's a Philly, Milwaukee, Boston, just come in and provide some minutes. Of course, the shot is going to be a concern, but I like the versatility. He can defend up and down the court. And, I mean, he had a a time where he was playing the one at Texas Tech. I think he just has a projectable skill set with defense being the main thing to hang his hat on. And if he can become a consistent knockdown shooter, which, you know, he's a senior, so – Some people may think like he doesn't have that much upside as a shooter, but if he can just knock down open shots, I think that he can find a role in the NBA. So I have him at number nine. I love Kevin McCuller. And quite honestly, I forgot about him because he was hurt in the big 12 tournament. And I was thinking about my bracket as I made this. And I was thinking about the issues with Kansas. And that was the main thing that came in my head. But for some reason that excluded him entirely from my thought process, (laughs) <laughs> I think he's in that same category. Kevin McClure's one, like he's he's the winning player. Texas Texas Tech makes deep runs. Kevin McClure's there. 
Kansas goes to Kansas. What are they missing? A guy who can be a three and D this year and and fill in some of those roles that they were vacated by NBA players. Now he fills in beautifully. I have a comp for him in the NBA, Torrey Craig. I, th- I think they're very similar players, great defensively, competent, but not great shooters. And I think they can rebound at a very high level for six, seven wings. Yeah. At one point I want to say he was like second in the big 12 and rebounds or something like that. I think he, um, I haven't looked at the stats, but I know at one point he was like second or third in the in the Big 12 in rebounds. All right, number 10 for me is Terrence Shannon Jr., a guy that has been on my big board for three years, and I can say that in the three years he's been on my big board, I feel like he's been three different players. The player that he was as a freshman at Texas Tech is totally different than the player that he was his last year at Texas Tech. It's totally different than the player he is at Illinois. The athleticism is there. I think that he's going to be at least a serviceable shooter. And he just does some things that can contribute to winning. So I have him at number 10. Who's number 10 on your list? So 10, 10 for me would would then be Walsh. Because um, okay. I, I, would, I would move McCuller and, and Strother right there. So it's I'd, I'd have Walsh. I'll, I'll give an honorable mention here that we haven't discussed. I think Mike Miles' backcourt mate, Damian Baugh, is someone. That intrigues me. I, he's not going to get as many eyes as a guy like Shannon, who's got a flashier game. He's younger and he's a superb athlete in his own right. I think Damian Ball can carve out an NBA career as a backup guard, kind of a bench bench guy who's defensively oriented, has a knack for getting into the paint and finishing well uh, with good body control. And so I'm not saying that he's my number 10 or 11 necessarily. I just think he's someone that's worth mentioning that hasn't been very heralded. And there's guys on UCLA like Jaime Hawkes that, he he does it all, but it, it's just that his game is old school, and it's it's almost archaic in the way that he scores. And there's very few players in the NBA that score that way, and they, their names are typically like DeMar DeRozan, Kevin Durant. And so I'm not sure I'm willing to say he's one of the best prospects in this, but certainly worth a shout. And I could be totally wrong. I left him off my top 10. Um, it was tough for me to leave off Drew Timmy out my top 10, even though Timmy is probably the best college basketball player. You could even make a case and say the two best college basketball players that could have the biggest impact on this region were left out of our top 10, which I'm sure we're going to receive some criticism for that. Hakez is, I don't know, man. I don't know what to think. Like he gets buckets. He's productive. You know that he's tough as nails. He, he contributes to winning. Am I penalizing him because I can't put him in a box as a, a three and D? I can't say he's like your, you know what I mean? Like you have your your three and D wing, your shooters, your your dunker spot bigs, your face up fours. Like I can't put him in the box, and I I really struggle with it. And it was tough leaving him off my top ten. I've even seen some people have him in the thirties on on their on their big boards. So it, it seems like we're we're on the same page there. Um, what are your thoughts on him as an NBA player and as far as his role? Yeah, the, the two best players in college basketball on this, I think, have games that 10 years ago would have been very coveted. His NBA role, as for Jaime Hawkes, for me, is it's an energy guy. Mm-hmm. And, and I just don't want to draft... Uh, in late in a, a draft for an energy guy, he could be a great culture guy. Maybe it depends the team, but if I'm if I'm drafting, I tend to later in these rounds swing for upside. So I don't want a known commodity necessarily. And sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't. But that's my philosophy. Um, and as for Timmy, just to cover the bases here, 
I think Timmy's a guy that will really struggle defensively in the NBA. And offensively, I think he can extend his range, become a serviceable shooter, but he won't be able to dominate on the low block like he has against the WCC competition, as well as some against some of the high major competition as well. I just think NBA athletes are better and they're smarter and there's going to be less, less uh, advantageous positions he catches the ball in. Man, I wish Drew was born in a different era. I mean, he gave Evan Mobley some fits a couple years ago. Uh, the best game I've seen him play was against Texas last year. I want to say he's like thirty-seven. 15. It was like fifteen for nineteen, and I don't I don't understand their game plan. I mean, they weren't doubling him; they were just leaving guys on Timmy Island, and I mean, he cooks. And you know, on one hand, I I wanted to see him show like extended range this year, which, if you look back at at the film at the combine last year, he shot the ball well from three in the games. The problem is, and it's the same issue, not necessarily issue, but the same way I felt about Trace Jackson Davis. If you're dominating college basketball, just continue to dominate the way you dominate. Don't necessarily go out and mess it up for your team a little bit because you are specifically trying to show NBA scouts that you can shoot. Do what you do well, dominate college basketball, and then show teams that you can shoot during your your private workouts. And um, and neither guy has really shown much improvement as far as spacing the floor. So hopefully they are able to show that once they get in workouts. But I like Timmy, man. It, it pained me to leave him off my off my top ten in in this particular region. But I feel like this region is pretty deep, deep with talent. And um, you could have twelve guys maybe from this region that get drafted. Yeah, I I could make a case for for 12 maybe even 13 if if all the guys declare yep all right well that wraps up this episode we have one more left and that is the midwest region thank you for making the locked on nba big board podcast your first listen of the day now for your second listen check out the locked on game to game or locked nba game to game Every moment, every performance, every result, Locked On Game to Game covers every game from across the NBA with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. So follow Game to Game on the Locked On NBA channel, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. We are three down, one left to go. It is the Midwest region. Once again, it's Rafael Barlow with Leaf Tulane. We have covered the West. And in previous episodes, the East and the South, and we are up to the, down to the Midwest. Stay tuned.